You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. The world has run out of willing and creditworthy private borrowers. The spectacular collapse of the Western financial system is a symptom of this big fact. In the short run, governments will replace private sectors as borrowers, but that cannot last forever. In the long run, the global economy will have to rebalance. If the surplus countries do not expand domestic demand relative to potential output, the open world economy may break down. As in the 1930s, this is now a real danger. To understand this, one must also understand how the world economy has worked over the past decade. A central role has been played by the emergence of gigantic savings surpluses around the world. In 2008, According to forecasts from the International Monetary Fund, the aggregate excess of savings over investment in these surplus countries will be just over $2 trillion. The oil exporters are expected to generate $813 billion. But remarkably, a number of oil importing countries are also expected to generate gigantic surpluses. Foremost among these are China, with $399 billion, Germany, with $279 billion, and Japan, with $194 billion. As a share of gross domestic product, China's current account surplus is forecast at an astonishing 9.5%. Germany's at 7.3%, and Japan's at 4%. In aggregate, the oil exporters plus these three countries, are forecast to generate 83% of all the world's surpluses. Surplus countries often enjoy contrasting their prudent selves with the profligacy of deficit countries, but it is impossible for some countries to spend less than their incomes if others will not spend more. Lenders need borrowers. Without the latter, the former must go out of business. In 2008, the big deficit countries are, in order, expected to be the US, Spain, the UK, France, Italy and Australia. The US is far and away the biggest borrower of them all. These six countries are expected to run almost 70% of the world's deficit. It should also be noted that the world itself seems to be running a 350 billion surplus with itself. One could argue that Spain, France and Italy merely offset Germany's surpluses within the Eurozone. It is true that the Eurozone as a whole is forecast to run a small deficit of $66 billion. But this does not mean that Germany's vast surpluses have no global macroeconomic impact. Despite being the world's second largest economic area, the Eurozone makes next to no contribution to offsetting surpluses elsewhere. Furthermore, pressures on the Eurozone's deficit countries are growing. Fiscal crises are at least conceivable in some countries. As I have pointed out previously, the most interesting feature of the global imbalances has been the corresponding pattern of domestic financial imbalances. Now, the sum of net foreign lending and the government and private sector financial balances the latter itself, the sum of corporate and household balances, must be zero. In the case of the US, 
The counterparts of the net foreign lending in this decade were, first, mainly fiscal deficits, then government and household deficits equally, and finally government deficits again. During recessions, the private sector always retrenches and the government deficit widens. Similar patterns can be seen in other high-income countries, notably the UK. Housing booms helped make huge household deficits possible in the US, the UK, Spain, Australia and a number of other high-income countries. So where are we now? With businesses uninterested in spending more on investment than their retained earnings, and households now cutting back, despite the easy monetary policy, fiscal deficits are, of course, exploding. Even so, these deficits have not been large enough to sustain growth in line with potential. So deliberate fiscal boosts are also being undertaken. A relatively small one has just been announced in the UK. A huge one is expected to come from the incoming Obama administration. This, then, is the end game for the global imbalances. On the one hand are the surplus countries. On the other are these gigantic fiscal deficits in the deficit countries. So deficits aimed at sustaining demand will be piled on top of the fiscal costs of rescuing banking systems bankrupted in the rush to finance excess spending by uncreditworthy households via securitized lending against overpriced houses. This is not a durable solution to the challenge of sustaining global demand. Sooner or later, sooner in the case of the UK, later in the case of the US, willingness to absorb government paper and the liabilities of central banks will reach a limit. At that point, a crisis will come. To avoid such a dire outcome, the private sector of these deficit countries must be able and willing to borrow, or the economy itself must be rebalanced with stronger external balances as the counterpart of smaller domestic deficits. Given the overhang of private debt, the first outcome looks not so much unlikely as lethal. So it must be the latter. In normal times, current account surpluses of countries that are either structurally mercantilist that is, have a chronic excess of output overspending, like Germany and Japan, or follow deliberate mercantilist policies, that is, keep exchange rates down through huge foreign currency intervention, like China, are even useful. In a global crisis of deficient demand, however, they are dangerously contractionary. Countries with large external surpluses import demand from the rest of the world and export deflation. In a deep recession, this is a beggar-my-neighbor policy. It makes impossible the necessary combination of global rebalancing with sustained aggregate demand. John Maynard Keynes argued just this when negotiating the post-Second World War order. In short, if the world economy is to get through this crisis in anything like reasonable shape, creditworthy surplus countries must expand domestic demand relative to potential output. How they achieve this outcome is up to them, but only in this way can the deficit countries realistically hope to avoid spending themselves into bankruptcy. Some argue that an attempt by countries with external deficits to promote export-led growth 
by exchange rate depreciation is a beggar my neighbour policy. This is the reverse of the truth. It is a policy aimed at returning to balance. The beggar my neighbour policy is for countries with huge external surpluses to allow collapses in domestic demand. They are then exporting unemployment. If countries with massive surpluses allow this to occur, they cannot be surprised if deficit countries resort to protectionist measures. We are all in the world economy together. Surplus countries must willingly accommodate necessary adjustments by deficit countries. If they decide to sit on the sidelines while insisting that deficit countries deserve what is happening to them, they must prepare for dire results. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.